0: Welcome to Circles Off, episode number 55. I'm Rob Pozzola, joined by Johnny from Betstamp in his classic Toronto Arenas jersey.
1: It's a big, uh, big day for the city. We had a huge, massive win the Maple Leafs yesterday. Great game. We're now leading the series 3-2 by the time this airs. I'll actually, built be to tomorrow. That'll be the day. Leafs in six. We're taking this one home. We're going on a round two for the first time in 20-plus years. We are fired up in Toronto. We're definitely fired up on this podcast. We're back after a week off. Thank you, everyone. Uh, sorry we were gone. Rob has a big announcement about the studio renovations. Newly renovated studio, as everyone can see.
0: For those who are listening, you'll have to check out on YouTube. And click that subscribe button on YouTube as well. And the thumbs up, please. Obviously, that helps support us. But yeah, we had to take a week off. Uh, not going to lie. We did really pretty much. We, the renovations were upgrading the internet in the studio. Which would need it to be done. We we rely on good video quality and audio quality. So the tech had to be up to par. We may have also went to the Leafs game that night after the fact. Someone may have brought a broom that got confiscated.
1: Guys, we brought a broom. Delusional Leaf fans, the headline read, Who's we? (laughs) <laughs> the headline in the Toronto Star, which is a local newspaper here, read the next morning, delusional Leaf fans bring a broom to game two in a Tampa Bay Lightning route. And it was yours truly. It was the Betstamp boys. It was the team here. We, we picked up a broom. We brought it to the game. The Leafs were up one nothing. The broom obviously symbolizing the sweep. <laughs> there's, there's literally never has been a chance to do this. You know, The Maple Leafs have not won a playoff series. In over 20 years, it's, it's it's a serious thing. Actually, I guess it's not over 20 years, but roughly yeah, 20 like rough years. You know, you for get it, right? you get lost. For it, yeah, you get lost when it's been that it's that long. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and, and even then, it, it was just really, I mean, one one round of win. But uh, yeah, we constantly lost. You know, we, we usually don't win game one in the series, and we usually don't have home ice. So we, we did win game one. We did have home ice. It was a chance we could sweep 4-0. Um, and obviously, you know, that's that's what you want to do. You want to have that broom in hand. It was confiscated. So the broom actually was able to enter the stadium. We got the broom in to the stadium. Plan was obviously, you know, you store it under the seats, and then um, you know, if you do end up in a scenario where, let's say, it's a five-one game, mid-third, say four minutes left in the game in the third period, and you're up even five-two even, you take out that broom, you start that Leafs in four chant,
0: iconic would be iconic an iconic chant. moment,
1: and you're and that's a Sports Center top ten, yeah. That gets you on
0: TV and we're obviously starved for attention, myself and Johnny, which is why we do this podcast as well. But yeah, getting on TV is massive with a broom in hand. That's, that's one of those that gets replayed forever. Like imagine then, then the Leafs blow the two nothing series. That's obviously going to get played for over sure. and over. Right. For sure. Or if they end up going on to actually sweep, it appears, you know, down the line in history is like these guys called the sweep and whatever. But what really fired me up that night was uh, things weren't going well? Um, we had we had about twenty of us uh, in the same section at the Leafs game. Also, I get me on. I'm going to talk about seat shaming as well afterwards. Don't I mean, let me forget about talking about that. But we're all in the same section, and it's uh, getting towards the end of the second intermission. Leafs are losing. I run run out to take a leak really quickly. I get out of the washroom. I see uh, Johnny and another one of our friends at the bar, and we're just kind of like. You know, we're a little bit down. We're talking to the bartender, Brad, you know, Brian, Brad, something like that. That was his name. And we're, we're just like, you know, we got to will this team back into the game. All of a sudden, doesn't one of the workers at the Scotiabank Arena start sweeping the floor behind us with the very broom that we brought into the arena?
1: They confiscated the broom. I kid you guys not. They confiscated the broom and they put it back in the broom closet. And then... Proceeded to then have the regular employees, the, the staff there, use that broom. Not only to add insult to injury, they were sweeping right by the feet of us. Second intermission. I believe we're down actually 5-1 at that point. Either 4-1 or 5-1. It was not looking I, good. Well, I think it was only 3-1 at that time. So we still had a shot. We,
0: I think so. I, I can't remember. We had a lot of beers that night. But yeah, it was, it was just an, a, such a slap in the face that they would not only take the broom, but then they would use the broom. Uh, granted... It is like yeah. that's the use. They
1: thought that we probably stole it from the the janitor closet or something like that.
0: Yeah, but all the other brooms, if you had noticed, were different I, brooms. I they picked were the up on this. Industrial broom, exactly. And this was just like a I don't know, ten dollar broom,
1: standard Kids. house broom. You know, we stopped in at the grocery store on the way, got it. Uh, you know, just a standard broom, like you know, short bristles, nothing industrial quality. That's kind of the broom you need when you're signifying a, a sweep and you want to wave it in the air. You don't you you don't want an industrial broom with the t- with the tough bristles. But anyways, we digress. We lost that game. We went on to win the next one. Went on to lose the next one, and then we went on to win the next one. So it's now three two Leafs. I like how there's you a, say we as well. There's a like, huge. Well, I'm wearing the jersey, so I'm on the team,
0: right? And but I mean, <laughs> I mean, a lot of the Leafs fans outside of the game last night, they were taking credit for the win as if they, you know, they played the game themselves.
1: Absolutely, and and really, the stadium was absolutely electric yesterday. I I do have to. Touch on this narrative because you, you bet on hockey. So, Andre Vasilevsky, the goalie for Tampa Bay. It's a huge narrative. They don't lose back-to-back. Dating back however many seasons they...
0: It's only two seasons. It's only three, di- three, three seasons. This seasons, is then, three. This is so three. The,
1: the third season, he doesn't lose in the playoffs back-to-back. And obviously, they've won back-to-back Stanley Cup. So, if he loses, the next game he wins, okay? Now, I've heard this so many times now, it just frustrated me. The odds of the game do not change based on this. They're the same. Roughly within reason, right? You have like a exact, exact kind of thing here where it's like, okay, Tampa Bay was minus 120 at home. Then now for this game, you know, they're going to be roughly around that same price. Do you put any stock into this? Well, how do you feel when people just continue to jam this? Rob, I mean, the whole media. Canada this media, is a tough everything.
2: one because just go, go ahead, Zach. Johnny's obviously not considering the do factor. Yes.
0: The due factor is, is one thing that is, is real in sports, but there actually are depending on the sport, right? I bet a lot more NHL, um, you know, you bet NBA, as do I, but like to a different extent, there are things called series effects in the playoffs that don't happen in the regular season. So you get it in the NBA with the team down 0-2 returning home, you get like that crazy first half number, which is people are always like, oh, how is this team favored in the first half and underdogs for the full game? Well, because we have like a lot of historical data that is showing us, that this is a angle and, and then like the market has started to take to account for that. Now you get into a sample size of 17 games for Tampa Bay, which or 16, 16 or 17, regardless it's small, but have not lost two games in a row.
1: Yeah, they are usually favored in most of their games.
0: Correct. So that's one thing you have to account for, right? Is were they expected to win. What were the, what are the chances of them actually going on this run? Like just by multiplying odds, it's very low. It's lower than 1%, but now you have to look into okay, were they lucky in these games? Like I, w- I would look at not only the actual goals of the games, but the underlying metrics as well, because there's a lot of variance in hockey, especially since it's a um, low event type of game, right? You only get a certain amount of goals. It's it's not like the NBA where there's way less variance because there's so many baskets over the course of the game. Um, there's so few shooting events in hockey or relative to other sports that their variance takes over. So, you start to look at that other stuff. I mean, Tampa Bay tends to respond, play above their regular metrics in games following a loss. How much stock do I put into that? How much stock does my model put into that? Zero. Can I definitively say it is not a factor? No. Yeah, it's just something to talk about, though. That it, it's, it's more of a narr- It's more likely to be a narrative than a real thing.
1: Prior to game. Three, so 1-1 one, one series So Toronto is now going on the road for game 3 um, On the actual broadcast On the, the TV broadcast Before the game this, was, this is what was said They said Toronto is on the road They are now a road team Tied 1-1 one, one going in They said If they win this game The likelihood that they win the next game Is slim Because most teams Who go up 2-1 on the road Lose game 4 and then they brought it back to the booth and then they finished the stat and he said that's actually only 46% of teams win game 4 after being up 2-1 which is essentially you know almost 50-50 but and again, it's
0: probably it's probably above market odds too because when you consider about the whole mice advantage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah
1: so so base- basically I mean, we've seen it in Ontario. If you are in Ontario right now, you're going to see gambling coverage on all of the networks for every sporting event you saw for the Raps. Definitely, it's a full swing for the Maple Leafs right now. And if they do go on a deep playoff run, knock on some wood, which we we're hoping here, then we are going to get a ton of gambling coverage. And what I will say is, like, it's not even a piece of advice, just in general. Do not listen to any of these narratives. They are all, like... Every single one of them is just given to you based on like a, a, a an actual like stat generator that, that these companies purchase, whether it be a data provider or something like that. And if some of them may have stock, some of them may not have stock. But I guarantee you this, the TV network and the people giving these out have zero clue if they have stock or not. So they're not really analyzed. They're pretty much just kind of like a waste of time. The best indicator you have of who's going to win game four is open bet stamp, check the odds. We got the little percentages beside it. The true odds of the game are the best indicator. That is where you can actually make money. And you can tell this to your buddies too. You can literally say this exact line, which is the true money line odds, like the money line odds of the game are the best indicator in exact percentage terms of who's going to win the game. And if they weren't, and if you don't believe they are, then you literally have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to make via betting. So uh, very similar to, you know, pricing and efficient market hypothesis and things like that. But, uh, you know, ignore all the narrative. That's one area of the Leaf games that's been getting me, you know, riled up. Uh, Just a
2: question for you guys to clarify as well. I've seen a lot online, uh, especially on Twitter, people getting kind of annoyed, especially with the gambling stuff that's being put out there, how it's being displayed. What would you guys say to people who believe that these companies, i.e. TSN, Sportsnet, are putting out these lines because they benefit from people losing. So they're putting out lines to bait people into betting on something for them to lose so that Sportsnet and TSN win from other people losing.
0: So for those listening in the U.S., TSN, Sportsnet are are the big um, sports media uh, channels in Canada, similar to an ESPN, obviously in the U.S. And now what's happened in Canada is there are partnerships with sportsbooks because there's a lot of money to be made. And at the end of the day, um, you know, you look at at betting odds being incorporated into broadcasts, um, betting analysis being incorporated into broadcasts. These are done to keep Sportsbook partners happy, right? Um, FanDuel, who's entered an exclusive partnership with TSN. Bet365, who's now a partner of Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. They're not paying for nothing. They're paying so that they can get their name out there on these broadcasts. And naturally, that's going to come with it. Now, the content itself, there's probably a lot of room for improvement, right? A friend of mine, Andy McNeil, who's with VEASAN, is doing Hockey Night in Canada as a betting analyst. Well, SN bets. SN bets, yeah, or Sportsnet bets. And I mean, frankly, they're going to cut to him for 30 seconds and ask him what the live odds are in a game. And I think there's probably a segment of the population that's watching that's going to be like, what the hell is this? Like, why don't they just talk about the game? Uh, And it's going to take a long time to get there for a lot of people. But the reality is sportsbooks are paying a lot of money. For marketing they want their name out there they have negotiated terms with a lot of these media companies in terms of what they're going to get for it is it a conflict of interest some might argue yes i don't think andy in any bad faith is going to go on a station and recommend stuff that he doesn't believe in just knowing who he is as a person would there be other people who do that for sure but this is kind of the new age of sports betting now where it's going to whether you like it or not It's going to be embedded in all the broadcasts that you view and you're going to have to be able to figure out a way to filter out what is good information from bad. And I mean, the reality is most of it's going to be bad.
1: Yeah. Uh, FYI, just as an educational piece for people, like there is a difference between um, how you send and promote traffic for different sports books. So, you know, one major example I'll give here is within Betstamp, we promote for sports books, right? Right. Um, but in no way are we hoping that our clientele loses or the people we send a sports book lose money. We actually do not get any piece of any like losing, um, income or whatever you want to call it. So when we refer a player to a sports book, we say, Hey, the best sports book that we think you might want to sign up at is sportsbook a or B or C. Obviously the answer is all of them. But if we had to recommend three, maybe we go ABC here, sign up at these three, You know, each of those sports books will pay us a flat fee, one time fee for having that customer sign up and deposit and, you know, play at their sports book. However, we're never, ever getting a cut of like that player's losses. So when we look at the deals, I think it's very important uh, to distinguish like what types of deals that people have in place. There are people who, you know, play on the other side of that and they only look for a sports player's losses as part of their compensation. So they'll say, don't even bother giving me a flat fee up front. But whatever this player loses, give me 30% or 50% or whatever it might be. So in those cases, what I'd say is we'd look at the type of deals. And this is kind of more like for me defending TSN and Sportsnet. But those deals are largely just like one-time payments, like big, big contracts, right? Where they say, we're the exclusive ad provider. We're exclusive on all of this stuff. You're going to put our branding, our logos, all of this stuff within TSN. And um they're just paying tsn like millions of dollars for that in cash regardless of how many players actually come over and regardless of how much money players might lose or win at the sports book right so i'll come to the defense and say i don't actually think anyone giving out content on those networks is giving out picks on purpose that are going to make people lose however are they giving out good information and value probably not but it's definitely not on purpose
0: yes agreed with uh, a lot of what you said there just to add to what you're saying as well and just um I mean, we, we, we preach like transparency, integrity. Like that's one of the things we do. Most affiliates that send you to a sports book, you go to any affiliate site. I won't name them, but obviously a lot of people listening know what I'm talking about. Or if you do a Google search on where to bet so on and so forth, you're going to get sites that usually will send you to the sports books that are paying them the most. And this is what's called the CPA cost per acquisition, but when Johnny talks about a flat fee, that's what we refer to as, and each sportsbook is going to pay you a different amount for traffic. So a lot of these sites will promote sportsbooks. Why would I send a player to sportsbook A that's only paying me $200 when I could send them to sportsbook B that's paying $400? That's not what we do. We we bet at all these sportsbooks. It's one of the things that we personally do, and uh, we try to cater traffic to the sports book, that's going to be the best fit for someone rather than who's going to pay us the most. So that's that the other thing, just to add to what Johnny was saying as well, you got to, you know, from a media perspective, you want to keep partners happy. That's just how the world works, right? If you're partnered with anybody on something, they're paying you for a service, you want to keep them happy. And that's what it comes down to when, you know, you see a site getting promoted on a broadcast that's, you know, where it has 10 million viewers or so on and so forth they trying to keep your partners happy. I mean, these are not, in some cases, these are long-term deals, but in some cases a sports book will t- sign a short-term deal with a media company. And that media company wants that sports book to stick around in the long run. So when it's time to renegotiate down the road, they can say, hey, we did this, 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 and this for you. Um, we'd, you know, we'd appreciate your business again. And that's just the way the world works. It's common sense, but it is uh, it is jarring. Like I talked to my dad, right? My dad's messaging me during intermission sometimes, Where it's like, what does this mean? What does that mean? doesn't bet on sports, right? And he's used to watching hockey games and basketball games in a certain way. Where there is no talk about what the live line is in the game. Um, Any player props on the broadcast and so on and so forth. So it's evolving. People are going to have to get used to it. But at the end of the day, money talks. And there's a lot of money in the space right now.
1: Yeah, I do think the main issue with it, just me talking candidly here, is... The, the content that they're putting out is good basically for for no one. It's like such a small percentage of the population that would enjoy that, right? Because you have a large majority of people who don't even really know what betting is. So when you tell them, hey, the Leafs money line is uh, minus $1,100 at the, interse- at the intermission, and they might say like, yeah, this means that the Leafs are this likely to, even with that, like nobody knows what you're talking about. Like the mass majority of people, you know, the, the older generation that has been watching for years, Coach's Corner, whatever, they don't even know what that is or care about that. And then you have the people who actually do bet because within Canada, you know, betting just formally regulated on April 4th here, which is a month ago. But reality, people have been betting for years in Canada, um, whether it be via the pro line or the gray area and, and stuff like that. And it's kind of just like those people who, anyone who actually had a betting account before or had any knowledge. They already know all of that stuff, and they don't need the info. So you're basically like, and again, like this this is like Andy's segment on Sportsnet Bets, uh, as well as like almost all the other segments. They're just like giving contents like in between an area where it's like, okay, I bet. So like I actually don't give a shit about this because this is useless to me. And then it's like, oh, I don't bet. I'm interested in learning, but this is kind of like way over my head because I don't even know like what these numbers are on the screen. Right. So I think that right now... Is kind of like where we're at and why there's so much complaints, you know, Zach, Zach's question behind the counter here, why there's so many complaints, like, who's that content for? So such a small subset of people who knew nothing about betting and then started to learn it and they're now in there. But anyone who actually bets is not really getting value from that. So I, I do think like that content might be better in like a year from now, once people might have, you know, a little bit more of a base and you've transitioned the casual fan uh, into someone who understands about Benny.
0: agreed so lacking educational content at first and granted i, I understand why people wouldn't want to do that because i mean frankly we do a lot of educational content and we went through it ourselves for the first i mean dozen episodes of this podcast were mainly focused on specific topics and we kind of evolved it going forwards but it's very tough when you're dealing with like short segments right one to two minutes to explain a concept to a person and does that resonate with them is it interesting um, I, I think of TSN before the games, right? They have a former player, Mike Johnson, uh, who used to play in the NHL, who I actually think is a great analyst of the ho- of hockey, but giving out picks 10 to 15 minutes before every game. Usually player props, always at one specific sports book, who's a partner of TSN. And Standard. Yeah, they of course. To. I get it. I, I, I'm not saying I don't get it, right? But like very, very likely doing a disservice... To everyone who's listening to that segment everyone because we know how markets work and like right before game time you're least likely to find value on something i'm not saying that you can never find value before the game but least likely to find value at that time uh, but i mean is that what's resonating with people right now i it's hard for me to say because i view from a different lens right i view from the lens of somebody who now realizes that that is not providing value to anyone but maybe it's providing value in the sense that someone thinks they're getting
1: value. Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, there's like a, such a huge subset of people who don't even know that like Fanduel is a sports book. That's what I'm saying. Like, and these are fans, right? So you're they're gonna get the exposure on that, and then by the end of this season, you know, people are gonna know that Fanduel is a sports book. You can sign up there and make bets. But and that's just not just based on these segments, but also based on the commercials and stuff and regular advertisements. But like, who is who is that segment for, right? In a sense of even even just thinking of it this way, um, you need to learn a little bit about it, right? But I'm on my couch watching the game, sipping a beer during second intermission. Like I don't want a training course on my TV where I have to pay attention. And like I'm gonna have buddies over. Like it's not really the setting for that. Um, so even to your point, it's like, yeah, maybe educational content. Are they gonna do that? Like that's, that's not entertaining. And it's definitely not a setting where you have like a two minute segment. The guys want to hear like, you know, someone talk and maybe give a hot take and then they discuss with their boys. I Man, I guess guy's completely out to lunch, doesn't know what he's talking about. And then another guy's like, no, he's making a good point. That's what you want. You don't want to like s- start drawing a whiteboard, right?
0: Right. So I think maybe uh, the issue that I have is that there's like a complete distinction between the regular broadcast and the betting broadcast. And if it were me, if I was running content for one of these sites, I would hire pro be- a pro better. So... Andy is fine for NHL. Like I have zero, he's, he's betting at high limits, winning better, you know, complete, but you have to embed them in the actual broadcast in some capacity where they're part of the crew. That's actually talking about the, Andy knows a ton about hockey, never played the game before. You know, he's not an insider. I never
1: played the game. You
0: got to get that clip. Yes. Sean Avery. (laughs) He, he he never, you know, he's not inside, but you can incorporate him into the conversations, right? Um, As an analyst, Betting analysts can be at, like analyze the game. That's what we do. We just do it more from a numerical perspective, and once you start to embed that in like the the daily everything, it just becomes much more tolerable, and people start to learn. But when you start to separate it, it's like oh, you know, they're throwing to the betting desk. It's like oh, I don't know what the, like it, it it's it's just disconnected from everything
1: else. Do you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I know, I know. I, I I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I'm not really interested in, like, broadcasting or media too, too no, much. No, yeah, so I, I don't even know, like, what, what I like, I'm not going to change anything. on, but it's, it's not my thing. Right. But we'll see where it goes. I think for the most part, it has been uh, fun to see at least, you know, we got more books. We got, like, it's becoming more mainstream. People like talking about betting, stuff like that. So we're happy, happy about that. Um, what else we got here? I'm going to Vegas this week. You're going to Vegas? I am. Where are you staying?
0: I actually don't know. Okay. Diana booked the uh, has booked the trip. My trips when I go myself versus when I go with my wife could not be any more opposite, polar opposites. I will have a spa day while I'm there. Usually, my first day, couple shows, some nice dinners. The amount of time I will spend in the casino will be less than sixty minutes over the course of an entire trip.
1: Nah, casino, yeah, casino is tough.
0: I love it though. I listen. What do you play? Uh, Everything. You just gamble. Yeah. Listen, I know what the expectation no, no, listen, is. Listen,
1: I know you like that horse race machine, the virtual horse race machine with the plastic, <laughs> you know what I'm so, talking about. So actually the, the
0: old school Vegas guys will remember this, but um, I used to really like the the Sigma Derby machines. So these were like the the old mechanical horses. You literally a quarter machine. Okay. And they had a ton of them on the strip and then they slowly started to die over time. And then on the strip, the last one I knew of was at MGM. I believe it's no longer there. There's only one left on the entire strip. It was at the D, um, where, which was next to Circa, where Bet Bash 2 was happening. So I went to check out the machine. Absolutely rammed. Couldn't even sit to play it if you wanted to. So now I've kind of evolved onto these uh, Fortune Cup horse racing machines. Oh, yeah, I've seen those bad boys. They change lanes and everything. It's not just like they're on the one track. Amazing time. Guaranteed, the hold on those machines is like twenty percent minimum. But, and you know what? Listen, I'm like the, uh, I'm I'm everything that I don't preach as a sports better when I'm in a casino. Like everything that I don't preach as a sports better. I would literally at those Sigma Derby machines, look around the table to see what everyone else is betting, and just bet the numbers that people weren't betting because I was convinced that the machine is calculating the hold based yeah. off of the bets. Okay, but that,
1: that might even be a thing. Maybe.
0: My, my betting... No, t- no,
1: I'm just saying like that's... Listen, that's. it's potential that the algorithm of the machine works like that because it's, a, it's literally a machine that is calculating and has like a program, an algorithm that writes it so that it doesn't lose money. I'll tell you how big of a scumbag
0: I am at this machine.
1: <laughs> Clip that. This is how big of a scumbag I am. So you, you usually have, at if that I'll tell you how big of a scumbag. No, 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 I can't even say that. Then, I, then I'm going to get clipped. You're going to get clipped if you say it, but.
2: <laughs> I, I'll I,
1: have you both on the board. <laughs> the
0: Sigma Derby machines, I believe it's 30 seconds between races where you have to get your bets in or 45 seconds between races. So I've concocted this, and this is years ago, right? Like, like I said, there's only one machine in Vegas now or whatever, but I concocted this, this hypothesis in my head of like okay the machine is calculating what everybody's betting i gotta i gotta be on the side of the machine you know how i tell people like you know you're paying a premium to bet on the side of the sports book well you're not when you're betting on the same side of the machine but you are because the vig is so high don't anyways <laughs> doesn't make sense in my head but anyways i want to be on the same the opposites of everybody else at the, at the table
1: the problem you want to win when everyone loses and yeah. be the one guy
0: yelling. but i don't celebrate i just sit there quietly pretend like nothing's going on i don't want to draw attention right and then on top of that, a lot of the people that you sit down and play with, they're making their bets last minute, right? So it's very hard for you to, to process your bets if they're all waiting the last minute. So I start spreading like rumors around at the table that I heard <laughs> that these machines, you're way more likely to win if you make your bets really quickly, really early. So I'm sitting down with all these people at this table, like 10 people firing bets really quickly. When I sit down, I'm like, oh yeah. And then like a few people will win because it's the nature in the machine. Everybody takes notice. So, like, how quickly did you get your bet? And the guy's like, oh, two seconds. So now I'm watching everybody place their bets very quickly. Bro, you could tell people anything. So, so I have so I can process all this information, right? So I'm looking out, and this machine, you can only bet exactors. So you can only bet the top the two. It's just the way that the the, the thing works. You're betting a combo. And I'm looking, you know, I'm, I'm trying to process it. it's basically like Rain Man, right? Going on. And I'm processing all this information in real time, firing in my bets last minute. And I'm definitely 100%, this is no BS, a lifetime winner at Sigma Derby. And I don't know if it's, (laughs) I don't know if it's pure random variance or if the strategy is paying off. And listen, I'm talking quarters, like literally quarter machine that I will sit there for three hours to grind out 30 bucks because I love it so much and love the, the, just the idea of beating the house because I could have spent that three hours playing blackjack or craps or whatever. Also had a good time, but probably lost more. And that's it.
1: That's the story. The but key, th- yeah, the key to a casino is to lose a nut, like lose only an amount where you had enough fun that that loss in EV was worth your time. But you can't get that once you start betting like on sports. Like If, if you've ever placed like a sizable bet on sports, and I'm not even talking like a big bomb banger. I'm talking something that's maybe like Let's say you've placed a hundred dollar bet on sports. Okay. Now you've got that. It's, it's kind of a little bit concerning for gambling, but now you've got like the hundred dollars in your mind. Like, Oh, I just won a hundred bucks. It's now hard to go to the casino and literally bet one 25 cents. Like it's, it's hard to bet 25 cents. It's true. Cause then you're just like, ah, I lost 25 cents. Even it's not even about gambling. Actually. It's even like about your salary. You know, if you make, if you make a certain amount per year and now you're like, ah, what's well, 25 cents to me. It's not, it's not that fun. It's, it's it's like
0: being velocitized, right? Like if you drive on the
1: highway at 150 miles an hour
0: for a long period of time, and then you get off the highway and you're under like a, a speed limit of 40 miles an hour, you ain't driving 40. No, you're going to zip it. You're going to zip it because you're used to that speed. And and it's the same with sports betting. Yeah, you kind that's of what I'm
1: gets- saying. The key is you have to stay at an amount where you could still have fun. And like that, that machine seems like a perfect thing for you. Whereas like, okay, you obviously don't care about the 30 bucks that you'll win or lose. You know the most you, you might lose You stay there all day You probably lose like a hundred bucks so It's not a big deal But also like if you can get the fun in it Because of the machine You're laughing This is why I like betting against friends on stuff Because it doesn't matter how much you bet It could only be two dollars Like we just bet in a golf match Yesterday
0: I haven't given you any roulette spins in the office in a long time <laughs> I think we're Rob up playing like, like a five hundred dollar figure That Johnny owes me from Rob, roulette
1: spins in the office Rob's got to give me a couple free spins If you <laughs> want me to play a game I'm, I'm holding out in my inbo- email inbox for some free spins. Um, but anyways, I was saying, like, even just betting on golf yesterday, like we literally bet, like, it's like, okay, two bucks a hole. Yeah. If you just bet two bucks a hole, it's better. Because now what you're really saying is, like, we're playing for money, so, like, try your hardest. And now that you're trying your hardest, you have, because there's two bucks on the line, you can't be like, ah, oh, I wasn't really trying about it, right? Now you're like, I had to try. so I put two bucks on it, a hole. And then at the end of it, like we don't even settle up, but he knows I beat him for two, but like I want a unit off him. That's the fun of it is like beating your buddies because that's now like what we've come to. We don't
0: settle up because the money is insignificant, but it it does allow us to like play harder because you don't want to lose. You don't want to say that you lost to someone else. But if I do play with like my dad and his friends, I literally have to hand out the toonies on the 18th green. The Americans will laugh at the toonies, like we have two dollar coins. But I have to hand out the toonies on the 18th green, or else like they'll never invite me to play again. They'll actually you, be pissed. They're actually like, no, no, no. This is you don't disrespect the spirit of the game like this. No, like,
1: I, I kind of, I somewhat yeah. agree with that. I'm like,
0: I gotta go get the toonies in my car. They're like, you don't have the toonies on you. Like, why? Would you <laughs> why f- were you betting then? But, uh, why to- would you <laughs> show up with? And I'm like, okay, buddy. Like, listen, I owe you four bucks. Like, I'll <laughs> give you ten. It just settle down, and I'll go get it at the car. Like, but yeah, it's. um uh it's it's hilarious man the vegas trips are hilarious the ones with the wife are especially hilarious because my wife is frugal you know you obviously know my wife but she's she's cheap she's she gets it from her dad
1: i never said any of this sort or of no, no no
0: it's okay it's, she get she, she would admit listening. it she gets it from her dad you know ta- very nice italian guy but he got it from his dad so on and so forth my wife is very cheap so we'll go to a casino <laughs> we'll be in vegas we'll be on the casino floor and she'll be like i want to play some slots but she's only gonna play penny slots right So I'll give her like a $20 $20 and I'll be like, okay, go play some slots. I'm going to go play some, I'll go to like the high roller blackjack room and she's playing slots and like I'll lose like three or four dimes playing blackjack and I'll find her on the casino floor and she's got like one of those cash out vouchers and it's like $24 and 60 cents. Like she won $4 and 60 cents. She's so happy. And I got a drink and they gave me a drink, free drink. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, good job, babe. I'm like, I don't have the heart to tell her. I just lost like 3,000 bucks in 10 minutes playing blackjack, right? So I'm like, oh yeah. But it's it's hilarious, man. um, It's so completely (laughs) random. She's so funny. She wins like, she'll win on one machine and then immediately cash it out and go to another machine because she's convinced very much like I am with Sigma Derby of my strategy that the machine knows that a new person has sat down because you put in your player's card. They know you're a new person that sat down. They want to give you a taste at the beginning. So they make you win a little bit. And then you're going to go downhill from there. So she'll win a little bit at the beginning.
1: Yeah, I'm also, I also am convinced of that. (laughs) Um, no, 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 now I'm not even joking. They actually do that. I don't play much casino. I'll be honest. I don't play casino. I haven't played casino in years. They do that.
0: I I wish I could have talked to Captain Jack about this when we had him on before. RX Gamble at some point, Gina, we'll uh, we'll have her on. Maybe she could provide some insight. I'm convinced that it's probably just entirely random. All these games are entirely random. You always
1: go up a little and then you say, wow, I should probably cash out here because they're giving me like the the early bonus, the early boost, just like that taste to get back up. And then without a doubt, you never cash out and dunk it all back. And that's a true thing. It's like some, something flickers in the machine At the back there It's a little switch It's like okay We got this guy hooked Done I don't know if it's true <laughs> Don't you think
2: though That if that were true Then they would have the technology On the new machine To read your card And be like Ah This player just won something No If you go different brands of machines It's not <laughs> She also rotates between my player's <laughs> okay, card And hers okay. sometimes So There you go Yeah she's,
0: <laughs> she's trying to Just throw the scent off a little bit But Yeah I mean it's uh, Vegas is a great spot It gets me into uh, the degen mode a little bit. I know fully what I'm getting into. I don't have any problem gaming stuff. I'm not addicted to betting at all, but I have a good time doing it. I love the Monopoly slots machines, especially because they have like what I call the pity pup. I don't know if you guys don't play slots. So yeah, yeah. I'm
1: going to, I'm going to come clean on slot on slots and like share my story about slots. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I don't know what the fuck is going on, dude.
0: (laughs) Oh, like it's too,
1: it's too complicated. I sit down at the slot machine. I've done it like five separate times in my life. I've sat down, whether it be like cash that I put in or coins or card, whatever it was, I've sat down, I've looked at them like, I don't know what the hell's going on. I've clicked some buttons, stuff started spinning. I had no idea what the payouts were, what I was potentially going to happen. And then every single time I lost my money. With this like? whatever. I always go max spin. I lose all my money. Literally, it's been like the max I've ever survived is like maybe three or four spins on a single machine. Never knew what the fuck was going on. Left every time and said, how do people sit at these all day?
0: Okay. What are these? Dude? So you'll literally sit and read sportsbook rules for half an hour to f- try to find a little edge here and there. And then you won't read the rules that are actually on the like every, every single slot machine like has a button that shows all the rules. No, no.
1: If I'm putting in for the machine twenty five cents, I'm not. I'm going up there, and so 25 I want twenty five cents like, is the cost
0: a, of one line,
1: though, right? Oh, one line. See, why is it like lines and stuff like that? This, yeah, is, what line,
0: line, this nine, is what I want. One line, three line, nine. I want make
1: a simpler slot machine. Here's the here's the ideal slot. Okay, you go up. there's a slot machine. Three things, just like in the movies, <laughs> three three slots, lever at the side. You put in your money. And then there's like a pay, which your money is just your risk amount. How about that? Easy, easy enough. Whatever you put in, that's your risk, right? You could obviously segment it in, but like your money is just your risk. Not like, oh, this is four lines and then like lucky sevens and all these different other games. I just want to put my money in and say I put 20 bucks in one spin. If you get the triple seven, you win the jackpot. Everything else, cash gone. That's the slot. So you want
0: an all or nothing. You want jackpot only. Everything else is a loser.
1: Yeah, that's the slot. Like, I just want to do that. And then if there were, if there was that slot and I saw a big enough jackpot, you know, if I'm strolling by the casino, and I got an extra 20, I might toss it in there and enjoy my one my one spin.
0: I can tell you the obvious reason why that doesn't happen.
1: People won't do it?
0: Well, you, you're going to lose your money like 27 times slower than the other machines where you're
1: betting all the combinations. There's no, like... Yeah, but then you're... But this could be like one... Make one slot like this. would be a beautiful slot. I'd love to play that slot. It's so literally a big bomb slot machine. There was, big bomb bangers.
0: there was, um, one of my first trips to Vegas. I stayed at the MGM and there was one machine on the strip. So there, there's apparently a series of machines on the strip, uh, slot machines. I can't remember what they're called. Lucky lions, something like I, I'm the name eludes me. Um, but they were ones that had massive jackpots that, that, you know, would take a, they were, they were big jackpots. So essentially, um, the way that it worked is if you won the jackpot, you'd also take home the machine. Like they were, they took that long to pay out and there was only one left on the strip and it was at the MGM and there was always a line to play it always. And it was, it was like the jackpot was at like 1.1 million, something like that. And I came down for breakfast one morning, line was small. There was only like two people in front of me. I'm like, this is the shortest I ever seen this line. I'm going to play it. I'm going to play this machine. So it's third in line. I played the machine for like 15 minutes, lost whatever money I had in my pocket Went on with my day. I'm in the poker pit that day at MGM. Literally someone comes running and they're like, you'll never believe this. This elderly couple just hit the jackpot on this machine. I'm like, literally, the, it hadn't the hit in a dead. decade.
1: Hadn't hit in a decade.
0: And there's the day I played it, an elderly couple from Rhode Island won 1.1 million and the machine. This has since wow. been retired. But I'll never forget that day. I'm like, that's just such a classic. So you know what I did? I went and played more slots that lost, day and lost more money, lost
1: more money. <laughs> <laughs> or you shouldn't, laugh, we shouldn't laugh, but like, yeah. no, I want that one slot though, because like, it's just such an easy thing to read. You go up and even just like show the jackpot at the top. It doesn't have to be a big jackpot. Yeah. yeah. Could even be like, what it, literally actually, how about even this? Forget what I said about the risk amount, make it literally $1 a spin. It's a dollar a spin. Yeah. Easy enough. You get you. So that, that way someone could put in 20 and actually stay there for a minute or two. You do one dollar spin, and then the jackpot just rises every time you do it. Every like hour, it raises. That's.
0: I, I mean, I'm sure they could accommodate that. I'm sure if you reached out to the right casino, they okay, would happily
1: do that. Build that. Honestly, let's, let's get a Betstam
0: branded <laughs> slot machine. <No>. We <laughs> we could definitely do it. Yeah, but I mean, I I love I love I love the casino, even though I barely go. And um, but this this trip will be very different for me. I, I um. Have you ever played? or heard of, or played Sickbow before Sickbow? Uh, with yeah. the three dice yeah, yeah. that pop. Okay. So like my first experience of that was at a Canadian casino is at Fallsview casino at Niagara Falls. I've never played at the
1: casino. Okay.
0: Um, but it's, it was, it's like one of those big machines there where there's massive dice in the middle of the table and everybody sits around the outside of the table and it's all automated and it pops the dice and whatever. And the combinations, I don't know what the hold on the game is it's probably like 10% or something, you know, had a great time. I went to the, when I stayed at the Bellagio for the first time, I'm there. And there was like a human actually like had like this contraption, like kind of like a coffee cup. They put the dice in and close it and just like shake it up in front and put it down. I I might've spent like not exaggerating 16 hours playing sick bow at that table. Why? It was amazing. Built up a lot, lost a lot back, whatever the, the rush of just seeing random numbers, I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what it is.
1: Talk a lot about casino. This casino. is, by the way,
0: I should point out, these are the days where I also lost a lot of money betting on sports just as a losing better at all. Now I don't get the same rush from that kind of stuff because we talk about this all the time. You know, when people are like, oh yeah, you know, you're betting for entertainment. Well, it's not really entertaining when you just constantly lose. You need, you need the wins in order to make it entertaining. But now uh, yeah,
1: I would say like straight up is- like don't bet in the casino unless you want to just bet for fun and, and you're okay with losing and and that's also fine you know what I mean like if you have a hundred million bucks and you're like some big wig guy and you you you're like yeah I'd like to gamble I want to put a million bucks on this like you can't do it it's fun you know what I mean it is what it is it's the equivalent of you know some for some people that's the equivalent of betting ten bucks it's all good yep. just don't go into the casino expecting like hey if I do this strategy or like do this I can win money like don't chase your losses and like 100 don't bet more than you have to lose because that's like you're getting in a bad spot for nothing. So yeah, don't play casino unless you're expecting to lose. If you want to play sports, you might have a shot at winning, probably do, but also still don't bet beyond your means. And
0: and we're talking about land-based casinos right now. Even worse would be an online casino where it just, things happen so much quicker as well. So those are definitely dangerous. Um, Yeah, I mean, casino betting, you know, when people say Vegas wasn't built overnight, that's why they say it. You know, it's it's just it's very difficult to win. But I'm looking forward to the trip. I'm looking forward to about the 45 minutes I'm going to sp- sp- spend with casino games, my time at the spa, seeing some shows, going to the piano bar at uh, New York, New York, Times Square at New York, New York, hidden gem on the strip. What a time. Putting in those requests to the piano guys, you know. Piano man. We do We do like, you know, like some higher love, stuff like that, you know.
2: How much do you think the guy, like, hates it when you're sitting there? It's the piano guy, and you're like, can you play piano, man? They actually
0: probably—honestly, <laughs> I've tried to calculate how much those guys make in a night. They make an absolute killing. <laughs> it is—there's four rotating piano guys, okay? They, they all, they, there's hourly, and they switch spots and whatever. They know all the songs, everything— You can't, if you request something, they will play it. Now, these guys are very good musicians. They have iPads in front of them. They can quickly pull up tabs for some stuff, know what the chords are, put put a song together, even if they, like, as long as they've heard it before, they can put it together. But it's it's $20 to make a request for a song. But not, you know, it's $20, but if you want to, like, if you want your song elevated to the top of the list. Like you're going to go drop a 50 or a hundred with your song request. and Then they're like, going to, they're going to play it the next song, right? These guys are raking in dough, man. It is. So, What's the average per night. You think? Oh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to really try to hone in on when I'm there this week and then give an estimate and give you an, a, an estimate, but it's enough where they have to like walk out with every hour. They take the money that they've collected and they walk with security somewhere to store it and they come back. Like it's enough that they're making enough in an hour that it's filling up a guitar case. Ooh, It's, um, and yeah, I mean, and those guys love what, at least it looks, they, they give the appearance that they love what they do, even though it's been the same piano players probably for the last 10 years, every single time I'm there. But I, I guess like you see a lot of debauchery when you have a job like that. Like who who are the people in that bar? They're like people that are, you know, They've they've had a, a few drinks. Play, look, Rob, play Rob's clip. <laughs> they're
1: looking to have a. <laughs> they're looking to have a good time,
0: and uh, and that's it. So,
1: all, all right. right. I believe we do have some tweets that trigger us. Tweets that trigger me. Um, as always, is it tweets that trigger us or me on the hashtag? Uh, we check them both. I think we do check both. I check both every week. If you find a sports betting tweet on Twitter or anywhere else that tr- absolutely triggers you. Just hashtag tweets that trigger me, respond back to it, and or tag bet stamp or circles off, and we'll make sure we get your tweet up here next. Well, tweets I, I don't want to guarantee it. So no, I will we'll, say my we'll post- guarantee it. <sighs> okay. And I'll tell you why we'll guarantee it. If it's one that doesn't really, that triggers somebody. Okay, we'll guarantee it if it's a serious submission, obviously. Okay. If, it's, if it's a serious submission and it triggered somebody... But it doesn't trigger us. We can explain why. Okay, yeah, fair so enough. That's a, gonna, that's gonna a gonna better any, way to do we're it. We're not going to put anything up there. That's but a if good it's a way to Serious do it. submission, even if it doesn't
0: trigger us, we'll put it up. Because sometimes people tag me, and it doesn't. It doesn't have this. It doesn't resonate with me personally the same way that it might have with that person. And I have been ignoring those. But there was a bunch of submissions this week, and a lot that I had already seen. And so, anyways, let's let's get to it.
2: I don't know what we're yelling. Out. I've never seen you mad. I get peeved. Why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? It's only a game. Why do you have to be mad?
0: I still love that clip every time. Why well, you have to be mad? So it's a minus of 37 degrees. Winter months. Uh okay. Let's start here. This one was a DM to me specifically. This I know that's definitely that... not a DM. Oh, someone DM'd to you. Someone DM'd me. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm out to lunch. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. At Corona picks who by the way. Corona Picks is one of the OGs of Twitter, gambling Twitter. This guy has been around literally since like 2010 on gambling Twitter. I have zero issues with this guy.
1: Zero. It's been through a lot with the, with the recent pandemic. You had to specify his name. You <laughs> In- had this Corona- name well before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I didn't even think of that. But anyways, let's get to it. Uh, at Corona Picks, I feel the concept of CLV is disproven at this point. I don't see it posted around too much these days, and that's a great thing. Getting the best line or beating the market is advantageous, but it doesn't mean you're an auto long-term winner. I feel like we can now move on. So, anyone who tries to disprove the concept of CLV or just says, like, no one's posting about it anymore might not be a thing, learn about error metrics, learn about log loss, learn about anything, really. Learn First of all, learn about how markets work, for one. But the second thing is, it is so easy to prove the value of closing line value. All you have to do is literally take the opening line at any sports book and the closing line at any sports book for any specific sport, run the log loss or any error metric of the opening line and run it in the closing line. And you will see how much more efficient the market is at close. This is not a debate. Like it's, it's not even up for debate. And yes, I think there, a lot of what happens in the space now is people will get like really good CLV on one game. It'll lose. And then they'll put, oh, here's the CLV bonfire and so on and so forth. This doesn't mean you're going to win every single bet because you beat the closing line. All this means is in the long run, you're going to be a winner. And yes, you will be an auto long-term winner over a long period of time if you're consistently beating the close. Literally talk to every single professional sports better. I don't want to say every single one, the vast majority of them put a lot of stock in the closing line value. Are there going to be points where maybe the closing line is not the truest indicator of market? Sure. That's going to happen here and there. There's going to be always exceptions to the rule, but just because people aren't posting about it does not mean that it's been disproven. Don't know what else to
1: say. I, I agree. I don't even have anything to add there. It's as it's, it's well said. I, I agree hundred percent. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you lose one bet or like one single thing. Like it's still, it matters like CLV matters so much. It's been proven already.
0: But also like, why would getting the best line or beating the market be advantageous? If it's not an indication of being a long-term winner, like I'm trying to piece together what the advantages of beating the close. I think
1: maybe what he's saying is like, it doesn't make you an auto long-term winner, but like if every one of your bets has closing line value by enough to overcome the VIG, then it makes you an auto long-term winner. Exactly. Isn't it? This- not, not, if you also like i guess yes it doesn't make an auto long term winner in general as a better but on those bets it does
0: i will actually you made a great point here it's actually something we don't actually pretty much never talk about and i never see talked about good opportunity for education here you have to beat the closing line by enough to overcome the vig people forget that right so people beat a closing line and it moves from like -110 to -112 and they're like, oh, you know, I beat the close again. I'm beating the close on 80% of my bets and I can't win or whatever. Well, you have to be, d- depends on, on the, the margins that you're betting into. Like you really have to understand that. And obviously the more closing line value you have in the long run, the better indication it's going to be of you being a winner. But there is a break-even threshold. You can't just beat every line by one cent and think that in the long run, that's just going to automatically turn you into a winner. And I do think that that gets lost in the shuffle a lot. On the closing line value debate nowadays,
1: I agree. I agree. Okay, next up.
0: All right, uh, bet player props. This is a, a thread. Um, I deleted Alfred and Perez so that no one takes them on Fanduel. Now I'll still count them on the sheet. So he's saying that um, he deleted a couple plays. I'll get into why. I was unaware a plate uh, a a ph pinch hit appearance counted. That's definitely gross. If that's the rule, I'm sorry. I'm too used to the rules offshore. I've never heard of that insanity. So he deleted a couple plays from his tracking because he didn't understand the rules, didn't want other people to bet them. Uh, he then responds to that. They need to change that rule. That's a legitimate scam. Then he responds to that same tweet from himself. I express my outrage to them, that being FanDuel, over chat. I don't know if it will amount to anything. DraftKings, prop builder, every other book I've ever used for the home run market or any hitting market is must start. So here's what I'm going to say about this. And we've talked about this on this platform before. You cannot bet without knowing the rules of what you're betting on. It's plain and simple. It's, now, in this case, he learned the lesson the hard way, figured it out. Rather than figuring out how to exploit these rules in your favor, he's actually alerting them to the fact that they have something different with their specific sports book, which is honestly one of the dumbest things you could possibly do. Like if you find a sports book that is grading things or has rules that are completely entirely different from another sports book, yet they are offering the same prices, one of those two is going to be an edge in some capacity. So by now going and alerting them to this book, to, to this rule, you are in essence killing what could be a major edge or possibly killing what could
1: be a major edge again yeah complete it's more just like the rules thing like you you can't like it's we've all done it before but you can't complain after the fact if the rules were stated right it's like it's not it's easy to tell and i'm like laughing now back to this like slot machine thing i was saying but it's like figure out the machine don't be like i lose i lost my money and like i don't even know what's going on like figure out the figure out the machine first if you want to actually play it seriously so same deal here like it is what it is. He's saying he's used to the offshore rules. So he, he was like assuming a specific thing. Exactly. But um, yeah, you got to, you got to make sure you check that and, and, you know, definitely don't have them change their grading. Just like don't bet there. Listen, at the or, end of the or, or bet it the other way. There, there's
0: two things here, in my opinion, either you read the ru- every sportsbook rules before you bet there. A lot of people won't do that. Me and Johnny have talked about this before. It's something that we personally do because there are edges to be found in sportsbook rules. All these sports books treat things differently. They grade things differently. There are sports books that will auto-grade wins. For example, when a team goes up, uh, you know, three goals in hockey or three touchdowns in football, and maybe you're going to want to place certain bets there to take advantage of that, so on and so forth. But if you're not going to do that, and you're not going to go through the effort of doing that, don't complain about making bets at that book and then them grading them in a certain way. That is specifically stated in their house rules. That's all. That that's it. Like Fair you, you have you 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 can't have it both ways. Essentially, okay. Up next, Steve Fezzik. Oh, that's a good one at Fezzik Sports. I will say, I'm gonna. I just want to talk about Fezzik really quickly before we get into this. I think he gets like a really bad rap in the gambling Twitter community because he is a tout and work and works for like a shady tout site. I've always got like I. He does know a lot about football that I don't think people give him credit for because he does do tweets like this. Quotes exposing your gambling expert, in quotations, as a fake. Number one, I never bet parlays. Number two, I don't bet live. Number three, I don't bet first five or first half. Number four, I never lay more than minus 160. Number five, it's hard to win. Number six, NFL is hardest sport to win. Number seven, I don't bet season wins. It ties up dollars. Number eight, most bookmakers are sharp. Okay. Some of these are true. Like if someone ever said to me, I never lay more than minus 160, it's a matter of personal preference for them, fine. But I would immediately look at that person and be like, there's a very decent chance this person doesn't know what they're doing. Someone says I'd never bet parlays because all parlays are a sucker bet. Okay there's a decent chance that this person doesn't know what they're doing, but there's a few on this list that are just personal preferences. Like I don't bet live <laughs> cause I have other things to do. And uh, most of my edges are pregame and I don't like the fact that it like, like the, the pain of betting live and like trying to get a number that I think is a good number. And then having it move on me is just not worth my time. Does that disqualify me as being an expert? Because my personal preference, some of these are preferences. I don't bet first five or first half. Neither do I don't bet first five or first half. I don't bet first period lines in hockey. Am I just disqualified as an expert? Because that's not the type of bet that I prefer. Like, I don't really understand. Yeah. And then some
1: of these are just subjective. Like it's hard to win. Yeah. (laughs) But for a lot of people, it is hard to win. I would also say it is like, it is hard to win in the sense that the industry is built on people losing money and it, most people do lose. So it's definitely not easy to win. For some people it is and you can win certainly. And like in a sense, it is easy to win. Don't get me wrong. But, but to go ahead and be like, if someone says it's hard to win, then they're just like a, not an expert is obviously subjective. It's yeah. not true.
0: Of course. I mean, if someone said to me, NFL is hardest sport to win. Personally, I don't believe that to be the case, but I don't think that it's illogical either. Like there's very high limits on NFL. There's
1: different ways to beat every sport. So like, what are you saying? Like is, is NFL, like what's the hardest thing that like NFL season win totals are not that hard to, to beat. Right. So like if someone says NFL's hardest sport to beat, I can't be like, no, 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 dude, I had a, I had a Colts division future at this percentage. Like you can't just, you know what I mean? That doesn't count or does it count? i don't
0: bet season wins ties up dollars i mean i think that's a very legitimate reason to not bet season wins like if you're only betting on credit for example why are you gonna tie up all your credit on season wins i
1: literally never bet season wins and i'm so gung-ho on this that it's not a good bet
0: well i i think you've just been exposed as a fake
1: i'm a fake i'm well well i'm not an expert anyways but i'm definitely yeah It's,
0: it's just the weirdest most random list that I th- I don't know where this, I don't know if it was this like,
1: last one. Most bookmakers are sharp. Like, yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. I guess if someone said most bookmakers are sharp, would I then say you're, they're a fraud? Well,
0: listen, I think it's pretty, when you think about it, right. Most bookmakers are copying from other books. If we're being real, the vast majority of them are copying in some capacity from a sharper book.
1: I think that's why they don't even they don't really copy from a sharper book. They have a trading team. Their trading team is a is a, a specific company that manages the trading for them for a lot of the books. Right, and then those trading teams set odds. They get odds from many different sources. One of which is by looking at other books.
0: Correct, but the reality is most like all bookmakers are making money, right? There's there's not a sports book that's reporting earnings. Like, forget about the marketing. Yeah, spends. yeah, and like NGR. Yeah, yeah like, NGR, so net like, gaming like, revenue. For their
1: players, yes, without marketing spend and stuff like that. That's the name of the game. That's what they're going for. Yeah, so, I mean, when they have players on the site, just those players on the site, they obviously are operating at a net profit within those players.
0: That's sort of the definition of being sharp. Like, you yeah. can't just hire yeah. anyone to do that. You know what I'm saying?
1: I guess not, but whatever. Yeah, this, Anyways, this it's
0: just the most random list. I I don't really... I. I don't really understand why all this I guess a lot of these I, are just I agree personal preference. I agree
1: with the uh, I agree with the never lay more than minus 160 yes other than that because even if someone said like I never bet parlays that wouldn't expose them as a fake you just maybe just don't bet parlays that's fine a lot of people who don't bet parlays agreed you could you also could not and you also could bet live you also could not I do, fair I, enough I, who, I, I, who I move just, on this is a funny one I like this one <laughs>
0: All right, this is from uh, Ducky. At Ducky underscore bets. What was the name of the guy we had last? Was it Big Dick's Picks, I think? (laughs) (laughs) That was the last tweets that triggered us. All right, at Ducky underscore bets. Please be very, very careful betting on game one of NBA playoff series. Game ones are very volatile. As you don't know what the game plans will be, and there are usually surprises. Only bet dogs. If you have to bet something, you'll make your dollars game two to six. Be patient. Hashtag Ducky cares.
1: So he's saying that he's saying that the game one is volatile. Yeah. You don't know what the game plan is. So only bet the underdog.
0: Yes. And also that you're going to make all your dollars in the series from games two to six. I don't know why not game seven.
1: Okay. If it was very volatile and you didn't know what was going to happen, then yes, you would bet the underdog. However, you don't know. That's not very volatile. It's just the same it's the same limit as the second game. I completely agree. And, and in general, like,
0: okay, if you, again, betting markets, right? The way the betting market works. Yes, you're playing, you're, you're placing your bet with the sports book. That's what's happening. But you are betting in essence against other bettors as well who are shaping the market. So if you have a better, better handle of what's going to happen in game one of an NBA playoff series... Let's say you have a huge edge in projecting player minutes. You know what rotations are going to look like. And you're better at doing that than other people who are betting into the market. You have a massive edge in game one. It would be your biggest edge of the entire series. Because then from game two onwards, that information is available. People will react to it. So if you're very good at modeling player minutes, for an example, that would be a huge edge huge i don't know why you wouldn't bet the game if you thought if that's something that you excel at. i don't know why you think you the, the dollars are only gonna be made mid-series i don't know what's different about game one and seven but just in general stuff like this advice like this if i had the sound of somebody throwing garbage into a garbage can which we have <laughs> to get on this soundboard that's exactly what i would play right now
1: ducky cares all right up next
0: I think uh, there's two, right? This is the last one. And then there's another one. Okay. The, ne- the next two are going to be a package deal because they insinuate the same thing. So we have NBA player props at winning underscore props. I'm not an NBA is rigged guy, but Duncan Robinson playing six minutes for absolutely no reason. while it seems like half the planet bet his over. Definitely fishy. That and quite a few half point misses halt the streak. He's referring to the winning streak he was on. He went fifteen and seventeen uh for n- minus four point two one units on this day because he just bet a bunch of Duncan Robinson
1: overs. Yeah. Points, points, rebounds, points, assists, points, rebounds, assists. All all the combinations. Yeah. And um he didn't he didn't do too well. I seems like he got two rebounds only.
0: Yeah, he played only six minutes. What do you expect for it? It's very fishy. Half the planet bet is over, right? And then go, go up, to the next one. Go to the next one. This is from our good friend.
1: Our good Big friend
0: bomb bangers. Who quoted Sharky
1: Waters Nation. Sharks we'll have to have him on the pod, Sharky, if you're listening. Sharks and Sports, April 26th.
0: Jimmy Butler sitting out of a clinching playoff game three hours before tip is purely corrupt and outrageous. Someone responds. And there was something, or there was someone that knew something. This line had dropped to minus six out of nowhere like 90 minutes ago. And then Butler ruled out a few minutes ago. Shady shit. To which Sharky responds, this is effectively insider knowledge to get this plus six and a half. No joke. Any sharp who took Atlanta at such a high financial clip to actually move the line from minus seven and a half to minus six and a half versus 80% of the entire betting market arguably was privy to information that would make this a criminal behavior. So we got a couple.
1: There's so some, much in here.
0: There's so much going on here. What I'll tell you what, what really popped to me, okay? When he referenced that the line moved a point versus 80% of the entire betting market.
1: But it, it didn't even move it based on the volume. It just moved it based on the injury. Of course. But he was already also questionable.
0: I know. There was no, there, there was, like someone could have easily been taking a stance of like we don't think Butler's going to play and we're going to get out ahead of this news. I can and They t- also
1: could have known that he wasn't going to play, but either way that it doesn't matter that 80% like they didn't have to bang it for such a high financial <laughs> high financial
0: <laughs> clip. I wish we had a video of of him quoting this stuff because he's he's really good. This guy is a good salesman. But first of all, again, we talked about this before. Who cares what 80% of the entire betting market is betting on? Like, do you think that's going to stop me? Do you think that's, like, is that actually, like, something that, first of all, is scary to anyone? But on top of that, like, it's completely meaningless. But this is a market. There's information accessible in any market. First of all, it doesn't prove anything in terms of someone could have known. Absolutely, easily could have known. I'll, I'll give personal examples, though, of how many times... I project a goalie to start, a backup goalie, let's say, 75% chance that he's going to start, we'll get out ahead of market and take a risk on betting it. Because why am I going to wait for that information to come out and then have to be able to get down in five seconds? So that could easily happen. We don't think Butler is going to play or somebody gets a call up your... This guy has
1: no idea what... He, he's no idea what happened here. He's really made this... Look how long that paragraph is of typing. And that's also only a one-point move in the NBA. That's right. literally nothing. Especially six and a half to seven and a half yes that's nothing compared to like the moves is like you literally have had a team open as a nine-point favorite and close as a two-point dog this year this isn't literally nothing well i mean
0: someone laid a high financial clip on this though <laughs> what
1: even is that <laughs> such <laughs> a financial high
0: financial clip. clip it was a big bomb bang it actually it was, was a bomb. big bomb banger um so sharky there's sharky
1: waters nation if you're listening out there this guy's videos are hilarious, by the way. He he sees every, he does his every video. He goes on like his, um, turns his camera, records his face, just gives out pics and stuff like that. And then at the end, he goes, sharky water nation. And then he goes like, oh shit, I forgot his clip now. But he's like, what's the tagline? He's like, bet or get out of the water. It's something <laughs> like that. I forget what it is. But it's it's something like that. We got to actually play it now. But it's such a good tagline. But I guess not that good except we forgot it. None was going to remember it. He also puts like crazy color filters on every
2: video that he puts out. I just started to notice like it's just like every color that's in there. It's just he just puts crazy filters in.
0: I'm pretty sure this guy has more followers than I do on Twitter. Of course. Which is actually depressing. (laughs) Like I'm almost certain. I looked looked it up one time. Sharky Waters Nation. He has a hundred more followers than I do. Please, if you don't follow me on Twitter at <laughs> Rob Pozzola and you're listening to this or watching this, please follow me on Twitter. I cannot live knowing this information. He has less than 100 followers more than me, but it's extremely depressing.
2: You know what just happened, Rob, when you saying that? So many people. No, they, they unfollowed go yeah, him. They just gonna gonna go unfollowed no, you and unfollowed no. him.
0: What have I done? <laughs> yeah. What have I done? This one rattles me. The one before.
1: Yeah, hold up. Good reason
0: the wave or get out of the he says ride the wave or get out of the water yeah it's not bad it's a i mean if, if you're gonna go with the shark thing you could do all sorts of stuff like don't be the chum you know stuff like that whatever this
1: podcast episode's so bad I, I would imagine so there, there, <laughs> Thank, thanks everyone for still listening we um yeah we're, we're gonna have a good guest next week so no one uh you know <laughs> well that's, it's subjective depending on it yeah, we don't even know
0: who next week is going to be yet. But I also want to say the tweet before this as well. Like the people who think, how, how Duncan Robinson playing six minutes for no absolutely no reason while it seems like half the planet bet is over. What do you think the liability for an individual sportsbook was on Duncan Robinson overs?
1: Like honestly, he's not even a Duncan Robinson doesn't even start every game. But but this wasn't
0: my point. Like the people who think, oh, all I saw on Twitter was everybody betting Duncan Robinson over the fix. Is, do you know what NBA players make? Do people understand the money that these people make? Do you know what it would cause cost to, for Duncan Robinson or for a coach to not play players during the game? Like what you'd have to pay these people? Look, Duncan
1: Robinson's not a starter, which means he only is his. He can only bet his props on a handful of books. Anyways.
0: But but this one like the, the whole the fi- the fixes in stuff. Listen, I'm um, I've I've tweeted stuff like that before. People need to know that it's one hundred percent a joke. I'm trying to get people fired up. This stuff though, like they actually think that games are fixed because everyone bet a prop over. The liability on these props is nothing. The sportsbook doesn't even care. They literally do not even care. This the trader. Would have no idea what they took on this prop because it is inconsequential to what is actually going to happen. So no, when you lose your prop bet or a player plays substantially more or less than you thought they were going to play, it's probably not because their head coach is in on some sort of massive scam.
1: No, but he says at the beginning, "I'm not an NBA is rigged guy," <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: but something fishy. But there's something fishy uh that and quite a few half point misses yeah i mean i i, I don't know all right oh now, by the do way we have another no i think that's it for today is
1: that it okay that was tweets that trigger us
0: can i can i throw one more out there this is not a actually a tweet but i've been noticing a lot lately because more people are betting props way more people are betting props if you bet something like over one and a half or over two and a half or even over a half which i've seen before like, say you bet someone over one and a half three-pointers and they get one three-pointer. You can't say you lost by the hook. No. like you, you can't. You just cannot do that. It is like the most common. It happens so much now on these low, like player over two and a half assists, got two assists, lost by the hook.
1: It's Matthew's like, over, over three and a half shots on goal. Lost, lost, lost. by the hook. Three like, shots. Like technically like, yes, there's only like a, a variety of like so for three pointers you can get like zero, one, two, three or four or Steph Curry, territory, mo- yeah, right. If you're yeah. just if you, no, if you're a guy who has a total of one and a half, you can maybe get z- zero to five. So you didn't really lose by the hook. You only like it's so likely that you get one. Yeah, it's the next most likely outcome after maybe they're probably over one and a half minus one fifty. You might you know what I mean? Like you, the most likely is two and then one, and then three. It's like so simple. You
0: notice how people always talk about how they lost by a hook, but they never talk about when they won by the hook? Do you
1: ever... You ever? You can, when was the last time you saw someone say, won by the hook? I actually don't even think that exists. It's never... It, search on Twitter. It's never, been, it's never been tweeted. Yeah, because people want you to know that they've had close
0: losses, and they never want you to know when they had a close win. It's just human nature. But yeah, listen, technically, yes, you did lose by the hook. If you bet over a half goal in the NHL and the guy didn't score a goal. Technically. Yes. You lost by the hook. Should you ever say that you lost by the hook? Absolutely not. Please don't ever do that. That's all I can say. That's not, it is a tweet that triggered me, but it's a tweet from probably two dozen people I've seen in the last week. More of an indicator of who I follow. And I should really examine that. But for those out there, please do follow me on Twitter. It's very important
1: to me. All right, everybody. We are signing off here today. We'll be back next week um, with a great guest. And if we can't book anyone, it'll just be Rob and I again. You know
0: what? I'm flying the red eye home on Tuesday night. So I'm going to be like on no sleep for Wednesday. We'll do the show because we record this on Wednesday. Oh, secret's out. We record on Wednesday for a Thursday show. But (laughs) what's this guy saying? There's so many people who think we do this like live. And I'm trying to... Anyways, I don't want to get into it. All right, all right. By the time that we we speak
1: next time, Rob will be back from from Vegas. I'll have some good Vegas stories. Leafs will be in the second round. Leafs in six. Leafs in six or in seven. I don't care. Just get to the second round, finally. Um, Signing off here. Will will Duncan
0: Robinson be getting more minutes, though?
1: Duncan Duncan. Robinson. So that tweet from before. He's a sniper. He barely played yesterday, (laughs) anyways. As long as Philly's winning, he's not playing. Um... We are signing off. Everyone, please like, subscribe. We have a lot of ratings now. You guys are really coming through for us on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Five stars, as always. Like and subscribe. And as always, as we say on this podcast, ride the wave or get out of the water, baby. See you guys next week.